0: week we're continuing our series on the seven signs and miracles that we find in the gospel of John. So this week we're in the fourth week of that series. And just a reminder if you haven't been here in a few weeks or if you're popping in, in the middle of this series, the gospel of John is organized with the handrail of seven signs and miracles all the way throughout the gospel. And the reason that the Gospel writer did this, the reason that John did this, what was to try and reveal to us who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. If you had to boil down the Gospel of John really to one statement, it would be to reveal to us who Jesus is. And the way John does this is with these seven signs and miracles. The first sign that we looked at was Jesus turning water into wine. Last week, we looked at Jesus healing the child of the royal official. And this week, we're going to look at a story, the third sign, is a story of Jesus healing a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. So let's read it together first, and then we'll get into it, okay? John chapter 5 verses 1 through 9. We're actually only going to read the first half of that ninth verse. John 5, 1 through 9. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called, in Hebrew, Beth-Zatha, which had five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man there who has been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been there a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well and took up his mat and began to walk. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So remember the first two signs we talked about? Jesus is in Cana of Galilee for both of those. But this time Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem right around the time of a major festival, which really just tells us as the reader that there was a lot of people making their way into Jerusalem to celebrate the festival there and he finds a man laying beside this pool when I first read this text this week That was what first caught my attention. What what's the deal with this with this pool? Because it seems like it's really important for us to understand the pool in order to understand what what is really what's really going on here And this pool is interesting. We learn a few things about it just when we read the scripture, right? We learn the second verse that it's by the sheep gate that it's surrounded by five porticos, and that it has a lot of invalids laying around it. That's what the scripture says, right? A lot of people who are blind and lame and paralyzed, folks who are disabled, folks who, especially in that society, are considered outcasts because of their physical condition, because of the way that their bodies were made. We learn something else about this pool later on in verse 7, don't we? We learn when when Jesus says to the man, Do you want to be made well? Well? the response is really interesting, right? His response is something about the pool being stirred and how he can't seem to make it in the pool in time that people are are cutting him in line, right? That's his response to the question. So I did some research on that this week because I had no clue what that meant when I read it. And what I found I think is really helpful for us to understand what Jesus is asking the man to do in that question. The first thing I found is this, and I think this is super cool. I've never been to Jerusalem, but if you ever went to Jerusalem or if you have ever been, then you could go to this pool. They found it. They know exactly where it is because of the details that were given in the scripture, because it's by a sheep gate and it's surrounded by five porticos. They've actually been able to locate this pool and dig it out so that you can actually go and see where this miracle is. Was done. I just think that is so cool that if you go to, you can actually go to this place where Jesus was with this paralyzed man. So that's the first thing. The second thing was that this pool was believed to have some sort of, of mystic, supernatural healing power. So here's how they thought it worked the waters in the pool would bubble periodically or, or appear like they had been stirred. And when that happened, the belief was that the first person or the first few people that were able to jump in the water right when they noticed that it was bubbling, that they would be made well. But it only worked if you were one of the first few people to jump in the pool, which all of a sudden it makes a ton of sense, right? No wonder the paralytic can't make his way into the water if he doesn't have anyone that's willing to carry him. So he keeps missing out, doesn't he? He, keeps, he can't quite get in the water in time for him to be healed. Either way, what, what's going on here is, is you have all of these people living in porticos and living in tents surrounding this magic pool of water, hoping that they will be the one that notices the water being stirred before anybody else does, So that they'll be able to jump in and be made well, magically healed of their ailment. And I'll be honest, when I put that together this week, that that, that's what's going on here in the scripture, my first thought was that is absolutely bonkers. Like, that is crazy town, right? You got these people thinking that there's magic in this natural pool of water and when bubbles float up that they're going to, like, that is crazy. That's crazy, but then I realized that we really aren't so different from that, are we? I mean, we're we're really not. There's always something in our world, in our society, that is offering instant healing or offering instant results. Whether it's a diet or a workout plan or a new pair of shoes or a new like way to sleep or a new pillow. I mean, like, you could go on and on, right? There's always something that is promising us instant healing. Healing. It's a quick fix. There's always the next best thing that you have to get your hands on if you actually want to be made well. Just this week, I saw an advertisement for a portable sauna and it was this bubble. Hear me out. It was this bubble that you blew up. And so your body was in the sauna, and it was heated, and then your head would stick out of the top. So it had this, like, video of this guy standing in the sauna with his head sticking out of the top of the bubble. And of course, right, it promised to do all sorts of stuff, right, to heal you of muscle aches, to, to, you know, flush out your body with sweat, to, to pour your body. I mean, all this stuff, right, when really what it is, it's a bubble that gets hot, and your head's, I mean... I'm one of those really lucky folks that got to meet and get to know my great-grandparents, especially my great-grandmother when I was a kid. And I remember when my great-grandmother passed, we went up to Chattanooga to clean out her house. And as we were cleaning, we found this in her bathroom. Trey, will you throw that picture up? We found this in her bathroom. Does anybody know what this is? So I looked up. I looked up what what the name of it is let me see if I can find it I think it's like the, the Vida master belt massager have you ever seen one of these so this was in her bathroom and she would stand in it and you put like put the belt around your back around your, and it vibrates and the idea was that the vibration would melt the fat off of your body and so this was a part of her daily routine My uncle works for a YMCA, and so this is in his office. It's like a relic of of workout machinery. And I just think that's so funny. I mean, like, I remember his kids getting in that thing, we'd clean our house, and it would just shake us, right? It still works. It still works. The best part about it is that that green rug on the base, that's custom from my great-grandfather, some green shag carpet that he put on the base of that thing. But, I mean, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Something that promises instant magic results. All you have to do is this. One easy step. Stand in the belt and let it shake, and the fat will just melt off your body. I think it's fun to look back on stuff like that and acknowledge all the ridiculous stuff that people used to believe would heal them. But if you're like me, you do this same thing with bigger things in your life, too. Right? And this is where it starts to get a little bit more uncomfortable. We do, this, we do this with money, right? If I have this much money or if I can make this much money, then I will be, I'll be healed, I'll be whole, I'll be complete. We do it with cars and we do it with houses. If I could just drive that or live there, then that would fix all my problems. We do it with promotions and success at work, don't we? I would be happier if I had their job. That would fix all my problems. Then I would finally feel like I'm healed. We do it with our family and with our relationships too, right? If my spouse would achieve this, then my life would be whole. We do it with our kids too, don't we? It's that same thing. If my child would only achieve this, then I would feel like my life is complete. My life is whole. As I thought about that this week, this is the question that I found myself asking over and over again. What is holding my hope? That's how I landed on phrasing it this week. What What is it, That is holding my hope. Because here's the thing. All that stuff, the diet and the exercise plans, the money and the job sets, the the, the cars and the houses, the relationships, none of those things are bad. I don't think. I I don't think any of those things are bad. They're just fragile. They're not bad. They're just They're just fragile. I think most of them are actually good things in life, but they're they're fragile things in life. And by fragile, what I mean is this: that they're things that aren't going to last. They're things that can be taken away from us, aren't they? And they're things that will eventually let us down. They're things that can't truly hold our hope. So if we put our hope in those things and we only put our hope in those things then eventually eventually we'll become what hopeless if we only put our hope in those things then eventually we will become hopeless because those things fail us they just simply can't hold our hope what we have in our text for today is a man who is hopeless he's he's hopeless isn't he and I think we as preachers do a really bad job when we talk about the disabled community. Because I think the temptation here is to say this man is hopeless because he is paralyzed. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's true. I don't think this man is, is hopeless because he's paralyzed. I don't think this man is hopeless because he's been cast out of society. I don't think he's hopeless because his family has abandoned him or because he can't work or because he can't walk. Now, I don't think any of that stuff helps, right? But I certainly don't think that is the reason why he is hopeless he's hopeless because he's put his hope in stuff that can't hold it you see that right the pool is the example that we get in the text this man is hopeless because he has put his hope into something that can't hold it and along comes jesus right along comes jesus perfect timing and he asked the man a question that I have not been able to get out of my head this week. He looks at this defeated, helpless, hopeless man lying beside a supposedly magic pool, and this is what he says. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? That word well, it can be translated as healed, it can be translated as well, or it can be translated as whole. Jesus walks up to this man and he says, do you want to be made whole? The first thing I think we need to notice about this instance, right, in this story, is that Jesus is the one that makes the first move. Don't miss that. Because the last two weeks, and I think this is intentional with the gospel writer, right? The last two weeks, we've seen Jesus approached by folks who needed him to do something, The first time it was Mary asking Jesus to turn water into wine. And then last week it was the royal official asking Jesus to heal his son. But here we have Jesus taking the initiative. And if just that little piece doesn't give you a little bit of hope, then I don't know what what will. The creator of the universe, the savior of the world, walks up to a man who has been crippled for 38 years. Years, A man at the end of this rope, and he looks him in the eye, right? For some reason, I picture like Jesus getting down on one knee and saying, do you want to be made well? When I realized that, that was so powerful to me. Just to, know, to see that Jesus is the one here that's reaching out to somebody. That it's not the other way around like we've seen in weeks prior. But then it's, it's the other thing that we need to talk about, right, with this question. Why does Jesus have to ask it? Isn't it so painfully obvious what the answer is? It's almost like the audacity of Jesus, right? To walk up to this man that's paralyzed and say, hey, do you, do, you, do you want to be made well? Clearly the man wants to be made well, right? He's living by a magic pool, hoping that someone will put him in the water. He is so invested in that that he, he lives there. It's his whole life. Of course he wants to be made well. Jesus can't Can't you see that? I don't really think Jesus is asking for permission here. I don't think he's asking for consent, and I really don't think he's asking about the man's desire to be made well. The man's desire to be able to walk. I think what Jesus is asking is if the man is willing to do what is going to be required of him for him to be made well, for him to be made whole. And you know what it's going to require, don't you? It's going to require this man to stop putting his hope into fragile things and instead put his hope in Christ, the one person who can actually hold his hope. That's what I hear in that question. Do you want to be made well or do you want to just stay where you are? In life, Do you want to experience a new identity or do you want to keep being the paralytic man that's lying beside the pool? Do you want the new responsibility and, and the freedom that comes with putting your hope in me? Or is that scary and uncomfortable and, and unpredictable and something that you don't think you're actually interested in? After all, are you willing to put your hope in me? Because when you do, this is what I hear Jesus saying, because when you do, your whole life, your whole life is going to change. Your whole identity is going to change. Are are you really, are you really ready for that? The question, of course, is are we ready for that? Right? I mean, that's the question. Do we want to be made well? Are we ready to stop putting our hope in fragile things and start putting our hope in the one thing that we know can actually hold it. Because just like the man, when we do, everything changes. When we do that, what we find is a new identity. We find new responsibilities and a new calling in life. We find a new, a new purpose. Are we ready? Do we want to be made well? Friends, I think we should find joy and hope in the fact that just like the man in the text, Jesus comes to us wherever we are. No matter what we've done, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what our ailment is, just like we see in the text, he takes a knee, he looks us straight in the eye, and he says, Do you want to be made well? But I don't think we should be fooled either. Because in order for us to truly say yes to that question, we're going to have to be willing to leave some things behind. Like the man, we're going to have to be willing to get up and walk away from the pool and instead place our hope in Christ. Because when we say yes to that question, we're saying yes to the abundant life. Yes, to going where God is calling us. Yes, to who God is calling us to be. Yes, to God's vision and purpose for our life and not just our own. So I'll leave you with that question this morning. Do you want to be made well? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. I hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. Of course, you're welcome to join us any week at 10 a.m. on Sundays, either here in this space or on our live stream for worship. And of course, you can check us out on our website at www.bluffparkumc.org to find out more about who we are as a church, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of that. Feel free to reach out and contact us with any questions or concerns you may have. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.